Welcome to the First Baptist Church podcast from First Baptist Church in Navasota, Texas. For more information, visit fbcnavasota.org. So if this is your uh, first time here this morning, I'm not the, uh, the usual face you see on Sunday mornings. Uh, I'm Joe. I'm the uh, student pastor here at uh, First Baptist and uh, humbled to uh, bring God's word to you this morning. Uh, like I talked about at the end of last week, um, this has kind of been a message that God's been stirring in my heart for about two and a half years now, and uh, he kind of told me last week this is the time uh, to let it out, and um, I'm excited to do that this morning, and uh, let's let's begin in prayer before we start. Jesus, we come to you um, this morning hungry for your word, hungry for some real life, hungry for truth. And I pray, God, as the, as the words come out of my mouth, that they are spirit-filled. God, that they would change hearts. That they would move our church into a new future, into new areas. God, that we would be the church that's culture-changing, like you talk about in the Bible, like you talk about in the Gospels. We want to be that church. So I ask as we, as we listen this morning that... You would convict us where you need to convict us, and you would help us move forward where we need it. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So I want to talk this morning about how do we become the church that Jesus Christ died for? How do we become the church that Jesus Christ died for? There was a movie that came out in the year 2000 called Remember the Titans. And this quickly, as I grew up watching this movie, this became my favorite movie of all time. And it's about... Um, the early 1970s in Alexandria, Virginia, there was a school called T.C. Williams High School. And this is right around the time when um, desegregation began to happen in the schools. Um, predominantly, white schools and black schools were now being integrated together, and it was causing a lot of problems. There was a lot of hurts, a lot of pains from both sides. Nobody wanted it to happen. And this particular school, as they integrated... The, the coach from the black school became the coach of the integrated school. So it made even more problems. And then all of a sudden, the board, the, the board of education, the teachers, the bus systems, everything had to integrate. And it was causing so much friction and chaos, and especially the football team. And as we know in Texas, football kind of runs, runs the show, especially up in Virginia. It's very much the same way. And... You see this team go off to, um, what they did was they went off to uh, two-a-days to Gettysburg College. They got away from all the chaos, all the mess. But as you watch the movie, they had issues. It was very much two teams under one umbrella. And they were um, fighting. They didn't want to They didn't want to get along with each other. And we saw that in this nation know, 40 plus years ago and all the hurts and pains that it brought. But guys, racism and cultural ethnicities and biases and prejudices are still very much present today under the surface. You look on the news, there's um, stories of young black men getting shot by police officers. And there's there's riots, the Black Lives Matter movement. You got um, the alt-right white supremacy that's rising up, tearing down federal 
federal statues. It's it's a mess. And we think that, that racism and, and hatred and bigotry were over in the 70s. It's still very much present today. And you might be like, Joe, why why are we talking about this in church? Why this is this seems like a political issue. This seems like an issue that um, can be settled on the secular stage. But guys, what I'm going to hope to to do this morning is show you that race and ethnicity is a gospel issue. That it's in the very DNA of the gospel. It's not just something that we can just throw on the side and and talk about it here and there um, when we're out at lunch or with our um, political agendas, but this is very much at the heart of the gospel. So I want you to turn to Ephesians 2, if you have your Bibles. We're going to start in verse 8. And instead of reading it all together, I'm just going to, we have a few verses that we need to get through, so we're just going to um, go along together on the screen. And I'll read it. Um, instead of reading it together, I'm just going to read it myself. God saved you by his grace. And when you believe... And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the things he planned for us long ago. May God bless the reading of his word. So in verse 8, what it's talking about is like it's a verse you've heard your whole life. For By grace we have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. And we almost always view, view that as this is a personal relationship with Jesus, right? I'm becoming a personal member of God's family. But you know what we've done in the, in the Americanized Western church? We've taken verses like this and we've applied it only to us. We say, I have been saved by faith. By grace, I have been saved. But guys, in the, co- in the context of the Bible... Most people didn't have Bibles by themselves. Bibles were, were, or the scriptures were read in the context of the church. So whenever you see you or we in the Bible, it's not just talking about, about you. It's talking about all of us. And I want to point you to the verse where in verse 10 it says this, For we are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Guys, when he's talking about a masterpiece, he's not just saying like, oh, Hunter, you are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus. He's not saying, Marcus, you are, you are, just, you are God's masterpiece. Even though we, have, we take it like that a lot, and we are in a sense, but we're only the masterpiece when we are together as the church. The church is God's workmanship. The church is God's masterpiece. Not just ourselves. That's why we can't have Lone Ranger Christianity. The Bible doesn't call for it. We can't sit on our couches and just watch sermons all day and call that church. It's not. It's by yourself. We go on to the the next verse. It says this in verse 11. Sorry. There we go. I'll read it starting in verse 11. It says, So then, remember that at one time... You were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcised by those the circumcised, which was done in the flesh by human hands. At one time you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope, without God in the world. So 
what that's talking about, guys, is that the church in Ephesus was not just a bunch of people that were the same. It says when you when you see the word Gentiles in the Bible, it's anybody but Jewish people. There was two sides. There was the Jews, and then there was everybody else. The Jews descended from this guy named Abraham. The Gentiles were everybody else in the world. And and the crazy thing is Paul is talking to the Gentiles here, and it says, hey, at one time you were called uncircumcised heathens. Guys, that would have been a racial cuss word in those times. But the Jews would call the Gentiles uncircumcised heathens. And the Jews rightfully so hated the Gentiles because the Gentiles were always putting them in slavery. You look back to Egypt. Egypt enslaved the Jewish people. They were Gentiles. You, you fast forward a few thousand years, you got Babylon. Babylon was Gentiles. They enslaved the Jews. Then you look at the Roman Empire, which is going on at this time, and the Roman Empire was enslaving the Jews, probably worse than, than they experienced anywhere else. And all of a sudden, it says the Jews, it says you were once far away from God. Or the Gentiles, you were once far away from God without Christ, without the citizenship of Israel, foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope and without God. When you Guys, when you hear the word covenant, you have to remember all the way back, you'll learn this in the Gospel Project in a few weeks, there was this guy named Abraham. And God chose Abraham at the beginning of time and said, I'm going to create this amazing family from you. And Abraham is on the scene, and, and he even tells Abraham, your family is going to bless all the families of the world. So at that time, God was saying at one time, the Gentiles are going to become part of your family. So this is what the amazing thing that's happening here is God is taking two polar opposite cultures, ethnicities, people, and he's bringing them together as God's masterpiece. That's what it talks about when it's his masterpiece, not I'm God's masterpiece, I'm created in Christ, like da, 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 da. it's saying, no, we are God's masterpiece. It goes on in verse 13. But now you've been united with Christ. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people, when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. So the amazing thing, guys, is that saying the Gentiles who are far away from God. Is there anybody that's an ethnic Jew in here? Anybody? So we're all Gentiles. So all the, we were far away from God without hope, and by Jesus' blood, he brought us back to a vertical relationship with God again. Like we are restored. God said that we were his enemies at one point. We don't have a relationship with God. We are his enemies. And it says he, by his blood, restored and reconciled us to Jesus, to God. And then it goes on to say, Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles, look at that, into one people. When in his own body on the cross broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. You know what the crazy thing is, guys, is back, those, back then in the temple, where the Jews worshipped, they had these different courts that people were allowed to go into. They had the, the court where women were allowed to go into. And they could only go so far. 
they had a court where the Gentiles were allowed to go into, and they could only go to a certain point. And if they crossed that point into the place that the Jews were allowed to go into, they could be killed. And what Christ is saying, he said, I broke down the wall of hostility. He's, he has that in mind where he's saying, I broke that wall down. With my body on the cross, with my blood poured out, that dividing wall of hostility that divides the Jews and the Gentiles is gone. And it's all because of what he did. It's all because of his body that was broken. We talked about, remember the Titans before, and, and we talked about how the team was so against each other. They didn't want it to work. There was a dividing wall of hostility. And I want, I want you to watch this scene. It's one of the turning points in the movie. Anybody know what this place is? This is Gettysburg. This is where they fought the Battle of Gettysburg. 50,000 men died right here on this field, fighting the same fight that we're still fighting amongst ourselves today. This green field right here, painted red, bubbling with the blood of young boys, smoked and hot lead going right through their bodies. Listen to their souls, man. I killed my brother with malice in my heart. Hatred destroyed my family. You listen. Take a lesson from the dead. If we don't come together right now on this hollow ground, too will be destroyed. Just like they were. I don't care if you like each other or not, but you will respect each other. And maybe, I don't know, maybe we'll learn to play this game like men. You guys catch the symbolism there? He said, if we don't come together right now on this ground, where 50,000 men poured out their blood fighting the same fight that they were fighting in the 60s, we too will be destroyed. Here's the crazy thing, guys. is In the church, we had the risen Savior spill his blood, tear down the dividing wall of hostility so that we could be together, so that we could come together in unity. The dividing wall has already been broken. Now we have to live into that. If you go on to verse 15, before I get there, one of the sad things is, guys, we looked at this video, and one of the saddest statistics is in America, Sundays are the most segregated time of any other institution in the U.S. is Sunday mornings. Because somewhere along the lines, Instead of listening to the verse that Jesus has put in front of us where it says the dividing wall has come down, Jews and Gentiles come together in, in God's masterpiece, we've decided to split up. We've decided to go to all our own different camps. 
We've got a million churches, and we're all divided. And if you would have talked about that in those days, say, what church do you attend? They would have been like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah, where, where do you go to church? They would have been like, no, we are the church. That's our family. That's our tribe. We're grafted. We're, we're mixed into the church. We're God's masterpiece. We don't attend church. We are the church. If you go to verse 15, it says this. He did this by ending the system of the law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating himself one new people from the two groups. He was creating a new ethnicity, which was the church. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility towards each other was put to death. Our hostility towards each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers or foreigners. You're citizens along with God's holy people. You're members of God's family. You see what Jesus is doing here, guys? He's saying this world is filled with so much Racism, hatred. You look around, there's a lot of people that hate each other. Country's pretty split. And he's saying, I'm not really, he's saying, I'm not interested in all that. I'm interested in creating a community that's going to be different than all that. It's going to be God's family. It's going to be the hostility towards each other is going to be put to death. And we're going to worship together and, and love on each other and be a picture to the world of what church and what God looks like. Non-Christians, guys, laugh at us because we say that Jesus loves everybody. And they look at they look at what we're doing, and they look at our churches, and they say, yeah, Jesus loves everybody, but how come you're not hanging out with so-and-so? How come you're not worshiping with him? And, it, and as I heard these, these truths and this scripture talked about for the first time, it, it broke my heart. Because I'm like, this... This shouldn't be. And and I'll read the last few verses and then I want to get into how do we how do we live as a multi ethnic masterpiece that Jesus intended. If you look in verse twenty it says, Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Jesus Christ himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. About, it was about two and a half years ago. Um, Heather and I had just been here at First Baptist for a few months. And kind of like the thing that you do whenever you are a youth pastor somewhere is you kind of have to establish, like, your own identity, right? People talk about the, the past ten youth pastors, and you're like, okay, I've, I've heard about those guys. They're, I'm sure they were awesome. But when are you going to stop talking about them, right? And uh, and I remember I'm like, we, we need to establish, not to point at ourselves, but we need to establish a new identity in the youth group. And sometimes it means changing the name of the youth group. And um, as we're praying through, what, what do we want our, our youth group to be about? What are the values that we want to see? We, uh, we attended this thing at Texas A&M. It was called Breakaway. Has anybody ever heard of Breakaway Ministries at Texas A&M? Yeah. 
It's this large gathering of college students on Tuesday nights. Thousands and thousands of students pack Reed Arena to worship God and to study the Bible. I remember Heather and I had heard about that before we moved, and we're like, we got to go check one of these out. I remember we get there, and it was a it was a guest it was a guest preacher, and his name was Pastor Derwin Gray, and he was from um, Charlotte, North Carolina. He had been in the NFL before, but he spoke some words that night from this passage that changed the trajectory of my life forever. And and he he basically mentioned a lot of the same truths that I'm mentioning. And I remember Heather and I we're just like, man, something. God has pierced our hearts. We have to do something. And I remember that night, we the, the idea for fusion was birthed. And fusion, if you know what fusion is, it's, it's taking a bunch of different things and putting them together as one. And it makes this beautiful masterpiece. And, and I remember reading statistics before I moved to Navasota that Navasota is one-third white, one-third black, and one-third Hispanic. And I'm like, wouldn't it be awesome? And God pouring through us saying, you're not going to have the typical youth group. You're going to have a youth group that is represented by every single person and ethnicity in this town. And it's not going to make a lot of sense, but that's the church that I'm creating. And and, and, the, and the, the idea for fusion took place, and we're definitely not perfect at it, trust me. Um, by no means, right? You guys can attest to that. Um, but we're standing for things against the culture that the culture champions. The culture wants us to separate into our own tribes, but Christ wants us to bring everybody together through his body, through the blood that he spilled. And as I've been here the past two and a half years, my, my heart has not only extended from the youth group, it's extended to like, like, what if our church looked like that? What would it take for our church to, to, to be a represented by every single ethnicity in this town. And that's not just a, a good goal that you put on a campaign and put in the five-year plan and let's, let's do this. Like, no, this is, a, this is the heart of the gospel. Jesus is creating all of us into a, into a masterpiece so that we can show the dying world, hey, we're, we can get along. We love each other. If, you, if you've watched Remember the Titans, they get back from camp and the world has no idea what's happened to them. They're loving each other. They're hanging out with each other. And they get back, and the world was just the same as when they, as when they came to camp and when they left. And as the year went on, as they started winning games, as, they started to, as, the, as the townspeople began to see the love that they had for each other, they, they came on board. So, guys, if the church, if, if the nation, if we want to see the nation remove racism and remove this hatred towards each other, it has to start right here. That's how Jesus set it up. The dividing wall has been torn down. I'm creating a new man, new people, the two becoming one. And I want to give us some some practical ways for personally in our lives how we can be more sensitive to people from different ethnicities. And these are some things that I've learned the past two and a half years and from for some other people. And the first one is this. If you have the, your bulletin, you can follow along there too. It's uh, pray that God would change our hearts. Pray that God would change our hearts. Now, like I talked about before, racism isn't, isn't this, it's not as apparent as it was in the 60s and the 50s and the, in the early years of our nation. 
But guys, there's some deep-seated things in all of us where we have biases and stereotypes. I'm, I'm number one example. As we started Fusion, I had to check my heart and pray that God would make my heart big to people that were different than me. And I would sense that as kids would come in, there would be some kids where I'm just like, man, like why is that kid showing up, right? And I, and I remember God was just working on me saying, Joe, I've made him in my image. I want him to become part of my masterpiece. And I had to pray, guys, not that I would stop having the stereotypes and biases, but that my heart would be open for everyone no matter what they look like, no matter their social economic status, no, ma- no matter their political agenda, I had to have my, my heart open to those people. I had to cut out the jokes that I would say. And we all have them. I had to cut off just those little remarks here and there because I had to open my heart to everybody that's made in God's image. The second one is this. We have to put away preferences. Put away preferences. A lot of us guys, we... We say we're all worshiping in different camps because we worship different. And we, I mean, I was telling Marcus earlier, like, I'm like, man, we really need some rhythm in this church, right? We're all, we're pretty good, but not, we're not all the way there. Let's just be honest. Um, But a lot of times, guys, we group into these different camps because I like the worship here and I like the preaching here. I like the style and and what that does is our preferences are actually becoming dividing walls. We're erecting the dividing walls again. And saying, hey, we're going to do things our way here. And I'm not saying we compromise the scriptures. I'm saying there's some things, there's some preferences in our own lives. I remember going to a, um, a funeral of one of our um, African-American students who was here. He's part of Fusion. And I'm the, I show up, I'm the only white guy in the room. And it's me, Heather, and Judah, and we're kind of hanging in the back. And I'm also the most underdressed guy there, right? Um, and I'm like, man, what's the deal here? And uh, I remember as the funeral progressed on, I was like, why are they doing it this way? Why are they saying this? Why are they, this isn't what I'm used to. I don't think this is right. And I remember God in those moments saying, Joe, learn. They're part of the body of Christ. They, they're celebrating life really, really well. And I remember God was opening my heart in that moment and saying, put away your preferences. On Wednesday nights, we were doing things at the beginning, and we realized that it was sort of offending a demographic that was showing up. And we're like, this is just the way we've done things for so long. We have to, we have to be willing to change and adapt. But not the truth, but our practices. Here's the third thing. We have to practice a multi-ethnic life. We can't expect to have a church that looks like this city if personally we don't have friends from different ethnicities that we rub shoulders with in life, that we get to know, that we get to understand their hurts, their pains. We enjoy life with them. One of my best friends is this guy on the third row. Marcus, just give everybody a wave. I remember when Marcus... When Marcus showed up to this church, um, he was just walking through the, the um, foyer over here and coming into the sanctuary. I'm like, who is this guy? Is this? I'm like, hey, man, what's up? And he's like, hey. And then he like went to the back, and I'm like, okay. Um, and I remember as Clyde preached, 
and was given the invitation at the end, Marcus comes walking down the aisle, and I'm like, and he, pr- Clyde's already praying with somebody. I'm like, okay, I guess it's my it's my turn, right? And uh, and he comes up, and I remember I prayed the worst prayer in the history of prayers up here. I'm like trying to lead him to rededicate his life to God, and it's not it like nothing's coming out. It's just it's a mess. And I remember just sitting with Marcus like a few weeks after that. I'm like, do you remember that prayer I did? He's like, yeah, I, I, I don't know what you're saying. And uh, I'm like, it's all right. I think it still counts. So, uh, but the crazy thing is, guys, is I've as I've gotten to know Marcus, and he's gotten to know me. We've we've rubbed shoulders together, and we see things in each other's life that are different. And we we joke like, if it wasn't for Jesus, we wouldn't be friends. We wouldn't be hanging out with each other. And it's so easy in life to just stick with people that are like you, that have the same culture, the same preferences, the same norms. But guys, that's going to that's gonna divide us even more from all other believers of different ethnicities. We have to be willing to step into weird situations and awkward situations and, and practice that in our everyday lives. We can't expect that to happen if we don't live that out on the day-to-day basis fourth one pain is a real thing remember that pain is a real thing remember that guys racism and hatred and and years and years and years and years and years of that has created a lot of pain a lot of hurts and we can't just expect somebody to get over that instantly like oh that was in the past man get over it like this is this is 2018 let's 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 put that behind us Guys, I, when I was in Phoenix last year, I roomed with three African-American pastors, and I remember asking them, I said, hey, have you guys ever been mistreated because of your skin color? And one of the, one of the pastors looked me in the eye, and he says, mo- almost every day. And that wrecked me, because I've never had to walk through life experiencing bias and prejudice before. And I'm like, man, pain is such a real thing with different ethnicities. And we have to be willing to step into that. We have to be willing to have those hard conversations with people so that we can see reconciliation happen, so we can see the church grow. And here's the last last point. Ponder what heaven is like. Ponder what heaven is like. If you read, I'm going to read Revelation 5, 6 through 9. It says this. Then I saw the lamb, this is in heaven, John is seeing this vision of heaven. It says, I saw the lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered, but it was now standing between the throne and the four living beings among the 24 elders. He had seven horns, seven eyes, which represent the sevenfold spirit of God that is sent out into every part of the earth. He stepped forward and took the scroll in the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. And when he took the scroll, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down the lamb. Each one had a harp, and they had held gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And then pay attention to this verse. They sang a new song with these words. You are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it, for you were slaughtered, and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. So guys, heaven is not going to be just like this. It's going to be all of us from every tribe, tongue, nation, ethnicity, and we're going to be worshiping Jesus forever. Like that, that's what John is pointing to, saying this, this new masterpiece is going to be with God 
forever. We are his family. We are his people. We are bought. We are chosen. And it said, the lamb that spilt his blood. The blood of Jesus is what reconciles us to this family. So why don't we just practice that on earth? Why don't we practice what heaven's going to be like right now? Because if you, if, this is, this might seem like a really hard statement. Like, you're going to, if you don't want that now, you're not going to like heaven. I hope that's not heresy, right? (laughs) I didn't mean that to be. It's, we're not going to like heaven if we're not willing to link arms with people who are different than us and worship with them. I want to show one more clip from Remember the Titans, and I, I want this. I want you to see what it looks like for people from different ethnicities to come together and to be excited and to be joyful. Coach, get a timeout. Timeout. Coach, just slant to a strong side every time. You got to catch him in that slant and let him over pursue. He's on to your game. You got to throw something at him he's not ready for. Rep. Miss Rep. Yes, sir. All right, listen. You ready to run? Yes, sir. Fake 23 blast with a backside George reverse. You got that? Fake 23 blast with a backside George reverse like your life depended upon it. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go get it. The Titans take the field with the time to run one final play for the state championship. I thought he was injured. I guess not. Why are they bringing a QB? The Titans have 75 yards to get to the end zone. I can't watch this. I can't watch this. No. What? Cheryl, what's wrong? No, I can't Cheryl. watch this. No, it's too bad. Not now. Cheryl. Cheryl. Throw it deep. Cover deep. Watch the deep pass. Cover deep. That's that's what heaven's going to be like. I don't know if we'll have football, but guys, it's going to be a celebration. We're celebrating that that Jesus, who bought our freedom on the cross, so we don't have to spend eternity in hell, and we get to be a family 
of God. It's a masterpiece, and we just get to celebrate Jesus forever. Like, that just blows my mind. And we get to be a picture right now on earth. A lot of us guys, we pray a prayer, and we're like, I'm going to get to heaven when I die. But guys, Jesus said, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus wanted to bring heaven to earth as well while we're still on this earth, while eternity begins and we accept Jesus and we become a part of his family. The only reason he saves us individually, guys, is to bring us into his family. The only reason Jesus saves us individually is to bring us into his masterpiece. So church, I guess my challenge for us is let's live this in our personal life. Let's take the gospel seriously where it says the dividing wall is down. Let's step into some situations maybe that we're not comfortable with. Let's check our hearts. Let's pray that God would enlarge our hearts for people that don't look like us and have different cultures than us so that we can become that beautiful masterpiece that Jesus talked about, the church that Jesus died for. Will you pray with me?